So, Miriam, you want to tell us about how you delivered a placenta? Well, I delivered a baby and then the placenta. No, dude, like- the placenta part is interesting, too. It's actually so satisfying because you are supposed to palpate the uterine fundus and like while you're kind of like pulling or like creating traction on the placenta. And it's so oddly satisfying and yeah, that was one of the highlights of my week. <laughs> Definitely a magical moment to deliver a baby. Oh, yeah. I think and be involved that in that too. moment. Delivering the baby was also the highlight of my Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Bundle of Hers. This is Mariam in the virtual studio with our lovely co-hosts, Margo and Herjeet. Hello. Hello. Today, uh, we are going to be talking about a very special episode. I think I say that about every single episode, but they're all very special in their own way. Uh, today's episode is titled, Letter to My Younger Self, Evolution of Identity Over Time. I think at this point in my med school career, so I'm almost like finished with third year and third year is kind of a big year for med students to kind of like find out what you want to do and like figure out what specialty you want to go into. And like, this is like a huge life decision. And uh, more recently, I started my OB-GYN rotation and it kind of like threw me for a loop because I never really seriously considered OB, but now I am considering OB and it's a really exciting time because I'm like, this is the first time this year I felt like this is exactly what I want to do. All that to say, this has had me kind of reflecting on like the journey to get here. More specifically, when I was a younger, a little kid, a little Mariam, would I have envisioned this life for myself? Um, and I think it's natural to reflect on that because again, when you're in this process, particularly in third year, when you're thinking about what you want to do for the rest of your life, you start to think about what you've always wanted in your life. And for me personally, I didn't always picture myself as a doctor. I didn't think that I was going to be a doctor when I was a kid or even a teenager. So I wanted to have this conversation today with you guys because I think it's a really interesting one, especially in the context of me having to make this very stressful decision. So... I guess my question for you guys is, who did you want to be when you were younger? Ooh, I can go first. When I was younger, I have a very distinct memory that I wanted to be Michelle Kwan, the ice skater, the Olympic (laughs) ice skater. Like I loved watching her every Olympics. I was so obsessed and I like took ice skating lessons and that's what I really thought I wanted to be. And, um, Yeah, but now here I am a doctor. (laughs) I think that like, for me, I have a boring answer, but I was five when I watched this four part series of uh, doctors. And I've been wanting to be a doctor ever since I was five. But I will say that I thought I wanted to be a surgeon for the longest time. So I actually never thought that I'd go into psychiatry. In fact, that was the thing I was like, I'm not doing that, but I'm doing everything else. So I will say that kind of threw me for a loop. Wait, question, Harjeet, why did you not want to be a psychiatrist? I didn't know what it was. And then when I knew, I I knew what it was when I got into medical school. And then when I was in medical school, I was like, I don't think I'm going to do that because I didn't know what it was. I honestly would say I didn't even, even in med school until I rotated in third year, I didn't know truly what psychiatry was. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess I could say the same. Um, well, I personally, when I was a kid, um, sorry, 
I'm actually just thinking about this answer and it's ridiculous compared to you guys. <laughs> I wanted to be I'm like not even joking I actually legit wanted to be a princess like I'm not even joking I had like this whole life plan of just like I wanted to live in a castle and I wanted to like have this beautiful garden and have my family around me and like (laughs) like, all these things and I wanted to wear really pretty dresses and like maybe that's superficial but as a kid that's what I always wanted I guess like growing up a little bit like later I remember in middle school I was really dead set on wanting to be an archaeologist and I was like that's gonna happen wait why wait why why uh that's a great question I'm trying to remember honestly (laughs) if I'm being fully honest with myself I think a part of it was because it it was cool and edgy and nobody else said that they wanted to do yeah. it. So I probably was like, I'm going to be an archaeologist, right? <laughs> um, so but you was, love dinosaurs too, right? Still? Yes. So I could have totally been like a paleontologist. Um, but that was like something that I wanted to do. And <laughs> it's really interesting to go back and reflect on kind of like how my passions have changed as I've grown older and how I've kind of envisioned what my future would look like. And I don't know, I think this conversation is important because when I was younger, I guess I never would have envisioned myself going into medicine based on kind of like how I thought of myself and kind of like how I want to say like I was socialized to act as a kid. It's interesting because I think about how our identity so much is shaped in our childhood and how we're socialized to be. And I think a huge part of being a woman or even like back then a girl really shaped like what I envisioned for myself. And there's a lot of like cultural context to that too. You know, like in my family, my family always wanted me to pursue education and like, you know, become like this like working professional in the world. But again, there were a lot of gender norms that kind of shaped what I envisioned for myself growing up. And so it's interesting to kind of reflect back and think about like how those expectations shifted and how my identity evolved as I grew older and as I either kind of embraced some of the things that I learned in childhood or even rejected some of those things. I actually really like that you said that, Miriam, because it got me thinking a little bit about you know, why did I want to be a doctor? And why was I so sure about that? And oddly, the truth is, I didn't know what it meant to be a doctor until I was in college. And when I was younger, the reason why I chose that career is really because of that rebellious spirit I always had, like, in my family, I was the third daughter. And I've talked about this often, but being the third daughter, it was always like, oh, my parents always wanted a son. So I was like, you know, I'm going to do everything to prove that I'm just like a boy or I'm better than a boy. So I'm going to have a job when I grow up. I'm going to like provide when I grow up. And I was like, doctor sounds good because they make good money and they're like boys. And so I think a lot of the reasons why I was so attached to wanting to be a doctor was for the very reason of my identities and the things that it made me face. So Similar to what you said, but maybe in like the opposite direction, I felt that my family didn't promote higher education. And I was like, I'm going to do everything. So I do do that. So I can be rebellious because I'm going to be like a boy and I'm going to be I'm going to do all the things boys do or all the things men do rather than really being proud of 
being a woman myself, which came much later as I grew. And I think that's when I realized why I really wanted to be a doctor. And probably the reason why I chose psychiatry is I was able to grow into my own identities and be like, I'm doing this for a reason, not for the reasons I thought I would when I was younger. Some of them are still there. <laughs> like, you know, being able to be independent and not having to rely on anybody, which is still a little problematic. But what I'm saying is that that's where that kind of came in. So I'm really happy you brought that up, Miriam. So Miriam, you said um, you you no longer have or hold the princess dream. And I would argue I very much still do, especially in times when residency gets hard and we are overworked and in this productivity capitalist mindset. And to me, that princess ideal stereotype is the ultimate life that we all want for ourselves, right? Like, you know, you want to be able to live your life, wear the pretty dresses, wear whatever you want for that matter and and like have everybody like you and validate you and sort of live that life. And I think as children, that's why we are attracted to this stereotype of princesses that Disney or other cartoons gave us. And so that then also makes me reflect on what are the needs that we as children were trying to meet or put on to project onto this idea of wanting to be a princess. Mm-hmm. And so I think a, a lot about that, but I often think that I would rather be a princess than <laughs> the <laughs> resident. Yeah. Actually, on this rotation particularly, I want to be a princess. I want to be provided for. I want my family around me. I want things to be easy. I want the birds to sing to me every single morning. Damn <laughs> <I want right>. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's an important point that you make, Margot, because especially in times that are really trying, like residency, like third year, you start to kind of reflect back on like, what were the things that I valued when I was younger when things, you know, for a lot of people, not everybody. Um, But like for a lot of people, when things felt simpler, right? At least for me, like my childhood, I felt like I had everything that I needed. I had all of my basic needs met. I had a lot of love and emotional support. And that's not to say that I don't have that right now. But obviously, as an adult, things look different. And often I wonder how much like being in this process of medicine and kind of just like fending for myself and being an adult in this world, like has really shaped how I approach my life and like how I've created my goals. And like, we've talked a lot about this, but like in medicine, it's such a kind of like narrow process. It's a bubble in a lot of sense. And you're driven towards this goal and you're not really allowed to be this full person. And it can feel difficult at times to remember like back to who you were. And I feel like I've had this conversation with both of you before of like the things that I used to value in myself when I was younger, the ways that I acted, my personality, like that fundamentally made up who I was as a child. Like I think about like how those things have shifted and how those things have changed as I've grown older and how I can kind of incorporate like my inner child a little bit more as I move forward to kind of connect more with myself in this process. It's hard. It's hard because like moving forward in this process, like I'm not remembering every aspect of like who I was and what I valued when I was younger. And I think that's okay because as we grow older, things change, but it's just like an interesting thought process, especially like during this time when we're supposed to know exactly what we want to do and how we want to practice medicine. Mm-hmm. And I would plug the healing your inner child episode that Harjeet and I did oh, last yeah. season as a foundation and a precursor to this discussion. Pause this podcast episode right now and go listen to that episode if you haven't. It's a very good one. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, 
I'm curious for both of you, we kind of talked about like what we wanted when we were younger, but I want to know like how you guys kind of thought of yourselves when you were younger. Like how would you describe little Harjeet and little Margot? I don't know that I have much consciousness of that before sixth grade or like middle school. And I don't know if that's just like natural development. And, you know, when we start to develop our identities as adolescents um, and sort of the natural progression of self-awareness. So I would say like I, I had a very privileged and happy childhood. So I don't know beyond like earlier, I would say it was fine. But what I distinctly remember is a lot of a, a tumultuous relationship with myself um, mm. in middle school and adolescence um, and even in college with a lot of trouble with self-compassion, loving my body and struggling to find my identities, I guess I would say. I don't know that I had a good definition, but I had an image of what I was chasing in my head that looking back was a very unrealistic idea of what I and who I wanted to be more like what I wanted to look like. If I'm reflecting honestly back now that there wasn't a lot of deep thought, you know, adolescence, your frontal um, lobe is not forming where we can really start to think about these ideas deeply. And so I was really riding that wave and had a very unrealistic, unhealthy projection of who I wanted to look like and Mm -hmm. always fighting that for myself. So that's how I would define my relationship or that's really what I look back on and feel the most. Yeah. I think when I think of how I would describe myself as a child would be similar to how I am now. I was very carefree and I think I've been very intentional my whole life to stay carefree. There's moments where I'm not carefree, <laughs> but I think it's something I'm very intentional about. I was always a curious kid. I'm still a very curious adult. I will say that my relationship of how everything isn't my fault is something that really has changed. I think when I was younger, I thought everything was my fault when my parents fought, when my sisters fought, when I fought with them. Anything bad in the world that would happen, I'd always be like, if I was better this wouldn't happen. And I think I put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, This is so funny because I just had a conversation with Miriam prior to recording. And anytime I tell her my honest feelings, I get scared because I don't want it to be my fault that someone's hurt. And I think that that's something that is really hard for me to let go. And I'll be honest, I'm still working on it. But I think I think that's how I would describe myself when I was younger. Carefree, curious, but I always thought everything was my fault if it was negative. I think for me, you know, it's interesting, Margo, as you were speaking, I kind of related a lot to like the things that you were saying. My relationship with myself often felt pretty tumultuous, but that didn't start until I hit like that kind of like middle school adolescent age. And similar to you, Margo, like when I was really little, I don't have like any like distinct like memories of how I felt about myself, which I think in and of itself is really interesting. I think I was just existing in the world and I was fortunate enough to have a loving and supportive family and community where I could just exist in the world. You know, the only thing I will say that I consciously remember growing up was 
feeling deep shame around my skin color and like my identity because where I lived was not a very diverse place and there weren't a lot of Middle Eastern people or Muslim people. So I think that definitely sticks out and I think is a huge part of this conversation too. But like as I grew older, kind of similar to you, Margo, having this like really tumultuous relationship with myself that was based on my skin color, that was also based on like, you know, how I perceived my body and then also just kind of like based on the growing pains of being a teenager and just struggling in the world. You know, we talk about growing through our identity and I'm like thinking about how I thought about myself and my identities. And I, I'm so proud to be a woman of color. I love my skin. I love like how I look and things like that. But a lot of that just kind of came from like having these feelings of like self-hatred, some like shame around my identity, my appearance, and ultimately how I presented myself to the world. Oftentimes, it's just funny because like in medicine, because that's pretty much my whole life right now, sadly, as a third year, but like one of the most like common sources of feedback that I get is that I should be more confident in the clinical arena, like when I'm presenting my plans or whatever. And I think a lot of it is fine. Like, I think that's feedback that most people get. But it has me thinking a lot about how confidence, like I really struggled with confidence because I felt a lot of deep shame in my identity. And it's funny because I feel like a lot of people would describe me as a decently confident person. But there's still aspects of your childhood that you hold on to. And like those feelings of like shame. And again, this kind of goes back into healing your inner child. But like those feelings of shame definitely still kind of come up and impact like how you show up even like just in your career or just in life in general. I agree with that, Miriam. And it kind of goes back to the same thing where I think everything's my fault because I think that feeling of like, oh, I could have done something to prevent this. Like the burden is completely on myself, totally ignoring circumstances, like social aspects, psychological aspects. Like I was very much in that. It was interesting because it was very like egocentric, but it was a painful egocentric. Like I was causing myself pain. And sometimes I think that comes out a lot too, when I too have given feedback. One of the things I think now as a parent is watching how much like pure joy children can have and like happiness in this sort of innocent way. Um, and so I like to also reflect back on how we all expressed joy as children. And um, I think, you know, as adults, we become curmudgeons. And I think part of that is working in a, a capitalist mindset where we're valued on our productivity and we re- rarely have time for that simple joy in life. But I think reflecting back on it can be a very helpful thing. And so I'm curious how both of you experienced or expressed joy as a child and how that shows up for you now. I... I'm not like trying to like hype myself up too much, but I was a really cute kid <laughs> and I would like, we have these home videos of me and um, my brother and like, just like family home videos. And, you know, my dad was usually behind the camera and like, I was just a goofy freaking kid. There was that one video I was watching like a couple of years ago. Cause I was just like feeling nostalgic. And there was like a video of me at my fifth grade birthday party. 
And my dad was like, smile for the camera. Instead of doing that, I did the most horrendous thing. I like pulled my eyes down and like rolled my eyes like into the back of my head. Like I was trying to be like weird and goofy. And it was kind of, it kind of freaked my dad out. He was like, whoa, I just asked for a smile. (laughs) But all that to say, like, I was just like a goofy kid and I just didn't care. Like I didn't care about how I looked. I didn't care like that, like what I did was like really strange and like it would be on video and people could access this video later. Like my whole thing was just living in the moment and being present. I didn't think about like consequences necessarily of like how people thought of me. And I just lived my life. And again, like I feel like I was really fortunate because I had a family that kind of allowed me to have that and like fostered that for me. But it's just funny because like I would never do that now. If somebody's recording me, I'd be like, how do I look? I need to like look at this recording and like we're going to take like 10 different recordings and I'll choose the best one for you to post on Instagram. And that's like, you know, the sad reality of like what my life is right now. And I want to get back to that level of just existing and like being present. And being present is really, really hard, not just for me, but for like a lot of people. And it was something that came so naturally to me when I was a kid. And Miriam, I would say it's not your sad reality. It's the way we've been socialized to be hyper-focused on these aspects of us that we hadn't been influenced by as children. And so we're able to have the freedom, you know, without that sort of those oppressive thoughts. And I love and also resonate with what you say about like, I wish I could go back to that because that's something I intentionally am trying to do in my life now is let go and unlearn a lot of those things. And I think that is a way not only to heal your inner self, but to like have this projection, you know, when we talked earlier about like who we wanted to be when we were kids, we still can be that person, that magical adult that we envisioned for ourselves by unlearning a lot of these things. You know, we have responsibilities now. And like as kids, yes, we did have responsibilities, but we had caretakers as well at a certain point. I think that that also changes things. And Margo, when you ask, what did I do to experience joy? Oh my gosh. I love the outside doors, outside doors, outdoors. <laughs> outdoors. <laughs> I, I like the outside doors too, but I love the outdoors. So my favorite things to do was ride my bike through the neighborhood or when it was raining, I'd like pick up all the insects and just have fun with them. I would go jump on my trampoline, like these kind of things that like exhilaration was really exciting. And I still have this aspect of how I experienced joy, but it was like eating food and being super excited about it. So like a lot of things that remind me of that now is when I go hiking. So those kind of things really help me like feel like, oh, I'm in this vast place and I'm just one little, little particle in this like universe. And I think that gave me a lot of joy and really being excited. And like Miriam, you said, noticing, being present, being in the moment. And I do notice the days that, I'm struggling because I do have anxiety. That's when it's hard for me. So now it's more of like an intentional practice. When I was younger, it just was. It just was who I was. As we grow, life changes. We're responsible for different things. And that kind of gets more difficult. Yeah, for sure. I think this conversation gives me a little bit more motivation to kind of prioritize getting back to existing in the world, just existing and like being myself and feeling connected to myself and feeling present and just experiencing joy in the ways that I can. And that's easier said than done. But it's just an important reflection because I think that, 
you know, everybody like makes jokes about like, once you become an adult, everything goes downhill and everything starts hurting and you get old and like, (laughs) yeah, everything sucks. And that's kind of true. I'm like, not going to deny that. But I think there are some ways that we can like reflect on who we were as kids, take all the qualities and the things that we really appreciated and loved and bring them back. And I think that's really powerful. So I'm glad we had this conversation. I was kind of thinking about something that an old coworker of mine had told me. She was a therapist. She did this a lot with her patients or her clients. It was an exercise in like communicating with your inner child, essentially, or like essentially writing a letter to your younger self. And I gave it a shot. And I just wrote this on the spot right before recording because I wanted it to really come from the heart. So... Dear little Mariam, it's older Mariam. Yes, we made it to the ripe old age of 27, but we're almost 28. Your 20s have been a rough time, but I couldn't have gone through them without you. Yes, people still say we are spicy and sassy. And despite our family thinking we would grow out of that, we learned to make that part of our power. You may not believe this, but you'll learn to love your brown skin and dark hair with a deep and protective fierceness. You still hate the relentless mustache but you've learned to accept it more. No one told you this, but your sensitivity is your power. The world is going to tell you to find power in ways that discourage connection, community, and love, but you have always had a powerful gift of demanding that for yourself. I love you wholeheartedly. The older version of yourself, Mariam. That's so sweet. Beautiful. Very heartfelt. Yeah. Mine doesn't that that beautiful but (laughs) when you asked us to write letters to ourselves it brought up a lot of immediate opposition because i am not a literary person i hate i do not find joy in writing things and it actually takes me a lot of time and effort and i like stress over it so that was like my immediate reaction and then i thought more about it and i was like am i avoiding something or like where is this rooted and a lot of it i think was looking back to my childhood which point of this episode was that, you know, my dad and my sister were like English majors and they loved mm-hmm. writing. Um, and I always felt forced to be something that I wasn't um, with writing. And so my thought was that instead of writing something, I was just going to freeform it <laughs> if we needed to on this, because that is my way of healing my inner child is mm-hmm. not having to write, but like being able to give myself the freedom to do the assignment, you know, quote unquote assignment mm-hmm. in a way that still meets the goal, but in my own way and allowing myself that freedom. I love that. Um, so in that note, I would say that other people's expectations of you don't need to be the path that you follow. You can walk your own line and get everything done that you need to and meet your expectations that way. Don't let people put you in a box and don't put yourself in a box, meaning you can buy the clothes that actually fit you and you don't need to buy clothes that are smaller with the goal of trying to fit into them. You don't need to be someone or reach for someone that you... um have an image of someone that you are not. You are perfectly beautiful and happy who you are and you will be loved. That's beautiful, Margo. Tears. I love that vocal on the spot letter because really we don't have to be perfect in the way we write and the way we talk, oh, but yeah. we still can say and do what we feel. And I think that's a huge part of this podcast. So for my letter, I said, Dear Hajit, Life is fun still, and your goal of being carefree and a doctor is happening. (laughs) 
<laughs> Life will change the day you stop asking for a brother and start having gratitude for what you have. Also, now instead of not trying to be a boy, you can be a woman. And it's exciting. The other thing that is really cool is you can now go to fancy restaurants you never went to when you were little, but you used to look at. And you can eat ice cream that is more than $2. <laughs> you're hella cool. And Aww. you're growing and you get to do a lot of stuff. So it's fun. <laughs> and everything isn't your fault. Why did you think that? And you're so cute and beautiful. And you don't need to put gel on your hair. So you look cool, but you're already cool. <laughs> That's my letter. Oh, I love that. That was so cute. Okay. Oh my gosh. I love that we did this, you guys, because this I love was a really- also that all of ours were so different. Yeah, I, I do too. I think, you know, I think this exercise can be whatever it needs to be. I think it can be like lighthearted and fun and it can also be like really deep and can like feel kind of heavy sometimes, but I think it's a really healing exercise and I'm glad that we did it. All right. Well, I think that is the end of our episode. Thank you to our listeners who have made it this far in the episode. Congratulations. <laughs> um, so we definitely encourage you guys to write a letter to your younger self as well. And if you feel comfortable sharing, please share with us on our Instagram at bundle of hers. And if you're not already following us, please follow us over there. For those who share, we have these pins that say power from identity that we will give to you. So please share if you feel comfortable. And even if you don't feel comfortable, definitely encourage you to do this exercise still because it is a very healing exercise. Thank you guys so much for listening and tune in to our next episode, which I don't know what it's going to be. That wasn't a good way to end it. That's okay. You guys, I'm terrible at endings. I'm sorry. I'm not an ending girl. We all have our strengths. We all have our strengths and endings are not one of my... Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> <laughs>